Timothy is where we are. First Timothy, chapter three. Do you hear that? Yeah, when you get here, I'll remind you when you get here. I didn't want to. I don't want to lose everybody in case there's a, a glitch as you're traveling. First Timothy chapter three. Last week we talked about the qualification of elders. Tonight we're going to be talking about the qualification for deacons. And as we mentioned at the very beginning. Verse 15 of chapter 3 is the key verse. Paul is talking to young Timothy, this pastor of the church at Ephesus, concerning how to conduct the affairs of, of the congregation, of the house of God. Paul says in verse 15, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou ought to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So he gives them the directives concerning the qualifications for elder or bishop. Same, uh, it's used, uh, both terms are used for the same office of the scripture, the office of bishop, uh, episcopos, and the office of elder, pepateros. And so it's the same, it's the same position. Basically means overseer what the word elder means. It's overseer. And the elders are those men, qualified men, who uh, are to oversee the different uh, ministry of the church. When we get over just a little bit further, it's going to give instructions how to treat elders uh, concerning if there's a, uh, an issue. And it's uh, some strong leadership is, is required. So we're going to talk about that when we get over to chapter 5 later on. But tonight we're going to talk about deacons. The elders are overseers. Deacons are servants. They are helpers. They are those who are there and similar qualifications, but they are to do the work of the, the physical plants, uh, the service of all of the Timothy has been given to, to Paul. So the elders are to be 
able to teach, apt to teach, where the deacons don't necessarily have to be able to teach, but they do need to understand uh, the message. They do need to understand the doctrinal truths concerning the faith, what it is that we believe. So likewise must the deacons be grave. Uh, the word grave here is the exact same word that's honest in Philippians 4.8. What sort of things are, are honest? What sort of things are good and poor? What sort of things are just that list in Philippians 4, uh, verse 8? Uh, the same word for grave is honest. So the deacons have to be honest. And there's because so much responsibility is turned over to the deacons. I, I know that here in our church, uh, we strive to be scripturally based in all that we do. So we have a board of elders. We have a board of deacons where the elders are primarily concerned with the spiritual growth and to maintain, maintain church function. Now, the elders are in, church, are in charge of the, the church plan. Uh, if there are uh, helping the, the deaconesses getting things ready for the Lord's Supper, uh, getting things ready for any fellowship dinner that we have, uh, all, of those, all of those things are the responsibility of the, the deacons. So uh, the deacons are to be honest because they are uh, entrusted with so many important, important church functions. Uh, not double-tongued, not two-faced, basically. And I've got to tell you, I've, I've come across a whole lot of deacons, not here, but a whole lot of deacons in my lifetime who are one way, but in the walls and the confines of the church and another, of course that goes for elders too, but, uh, but another way uh, outside. So they're not to be double-tongued. James talks about how those type of people are, are unstable in all of their ways. You just can't, you can't trust them. And the scripture goes in, in I think, serious detail here, not double-tongued or not two-faced. Not given to much wine, not a drunkard. Uh, same with, with elders. Uh, not greedy, filthy lucre, or filthy gain. Uh, not looking for a quick uh, get rich scheme and taking advantage of their church church members and their ministry and the things that they've been entrusted with, but not looking for unholy gain, if you will, or, or filthy lucre, raising money, obtaining money in a fashion that's not honoring to God, but not really a filthy lucre, a filthy, filthy gain. And that's because they are put in a position of trust. Verse 9, extremely important verse, because this sort of coincides with the elder who is apt to teach, has the ability to teach, uh, the deacon has to at least know the message. And I've always felt like, and still do feel like, that the pool for the elders is the deacons. The, the men that are coming in, they're deacons, and as they grow and as they mature in Christ and as they are, are serving God in that, fact, in that faction with humbleness and and, uh, and honesty, and uh, they just make tremendous elders at some point. 
But verse 9, holding the mystery of, and I can't tell you how important that article is, the holding fact, holding the mystery, the hidden secret of <coughs> faith in a pure conscience. Now, not just holding, not being faithful, but holding the mystery, the hidden secret. That I know so often we just look past that that word mystery, uh, but it's hidden secret, it's mysterion, and it has to do with something that is understood and known by um, the initiate, and, and how, how absolutely imperative that is, holding the mystery, something that was and this dispensation of the grace of God, this period of time that we're in, is called the mystery. And this mystery, this hidden secret that was hidden in God from before the foundation of the world concerning Christ in you, the hope of glory, what God's plan and purpose and program was all along to redeem man to himself through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Uh, At the heart of the mystery is the fact that, that God in Christ reconciling the world unto himself uh, through, through Christ. The heart of the, the mystery is that God uh, included Israel in unbelief in order that he could have mercy on all, all of those truths uh, and it was revealed to the Apostle Paul. That hidden secret of the faith. The faith. And that's not just faith. It is the faith. It, the faith has to do with what we believe. How important it is what we believe. Our church's doctrinal statement, biblically based, is so important. And our deacons, our elders, and hopefully all the people in our church are going to understand the faith. What it is that we believe. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Enough, but 
when you stop and think of the many, many different gospels that are being preached in the churches and the confusion that exists, uh, no wonder people are confused and don't know what to do, so they just throw their hands up in disgust and frustration and, uh, and don't follow God's word. Huh? And, what and, and believe what they want to. And, and something about it, the church, I, and I've heard many people talk about the fact, well, there's a church on every corner, and you Christians just can't get along. Um, and, and I think that is a bad testimony. But there are a lot of, a lot of churches that I couldn't have anything to do with. I, I couldn't be part of the churches. I couldn't be comfortable worshiping in Worshiping in a lot of different churches. Wouldn't feel comfortable. Um, wouldn't feel like God was, was there at all. Um, regardless of the praise band, regardless of the number, regardless of all of the, the entertainment factor and how well it's structured and put together, that, that does not mean that the Spirit of God is not, is not there. Uh, or the Spirit of God is, is there. So holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, I think that means that they understand, that they know what they believe, they are settled in what they believe, they stand on what they believe, they don't apologize for what they believe, that they are strong in their faith. Do I know? Yeah, that's, and I think that's what that's talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a deacon or a deacon ordained? Yes, they are. Okay. The reason I asked is because my husband, we went to get the churches, and they just made a deacon. You know, and I was telling him, it's being thrown around like the commonplace. You know what I mean? Just, okay, you're a deacon. But the minister is over the deacon. So he just gave me the name Jesus. I said the Bible says something more worthy yeah. in a vocation of your power. Right. So we have to learn how to let people tell us what we are. And let God, you know, give you what he wants you to have. And, and I've seen churches that have abused and literally run ruined good men who weren't ready to be an elder or a deacon, but because they passed the breath test, you put a mirror under their nose, you qualify? Well, I've seen those men uh, ruin, their ministry ruined because too much was then put on them. There are qualifications, and we have to abide by those qualifications. And the scripture that we're going to get to here in pretty quick, it says, for us not to lay hands on any man too suddenly. We've done that. And we rule the day from the beginning. So that, and that's always a painful situation. So Janet, you're here. I'm gonna I'm gonna make you the host in case somebody else tries to get on. Okay? You're the host. You're the host. Say my coach, but it won't make you. Are you on? Yeah, yeah. I'm right here. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's not. It's we not see you. Okay. So, but anyway, I think everybody's on this. Okay, so I have to be on. Yeah.
everybody's on this time. real quick when it says uh like be proven is it just mean like like the elders have like observed that person for a long time and just as a testament to their character or absolutely look okay. at uh look at first timothy 5 because again remember first timothy is all about paul telling timothy how to conduct themselves in that local church congregation how to structure the church, how to operate the church for the glory of God. So there are many, 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 many guidelines here. Look at verse 22 of chapter 5. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sin, sins. Keep thyself pure. Uh, we'll talk about what? We don't agree with what they do. Well, sure. Here, here. We'll talk about when we get there. Because there's a lot involved in that. But to lay hands suddenly on no man means you don't set up the ordination process is recognizing that man's calling and laying hands on is an act of separation. All through the scripture in Old and New Testament, the laying on of hands has always been significant of separating that individual for ministry. Whether it be an elder, a deacon, or a deaconess. Uh, you're you're separated <coughs> for, for the, the ministry. And lay hands means, uh, suddenly means you, you don't just jump at that chance. You, you, you know, like, kind of like they did, you know, Jeffrey. You, you observe them. You give time to, to observe them. Their faithfulness, their attitude, their demeanor. Uh, their family, all of those things are, are important. Even so, their wives be grave, not slanderous, so faithful in all things. Uh, even so must their wives. I, I think the scripture teaches that uh, there is an office for deaconess that their wives be brave, that it's the deacons' wives who are also serving alongside them uh, in that office of teaching the older, of older women, teaching the young women in the, in the meals preparation, in the Lord's Supper preparation, in the service aspect of it. Uh, I think what this is doing is giving qualifications for those women who are being set aside for, for ministry also. Uh, some translations translate that. Even so, oh, it says, uh, uh, 
even so must the women be, be great. Uh, I think wives is actually the best translation, but there's some that translate that. It's the same word for women and wives. Yeah, it, and you just have to look at the context because the, the next word, uh, the next verse says, uh, and let the deacons be the husband of one wife, just as the elder is, ruling their children and their own houses well. Goes back to analogy, because if you don't know how to run your own household, uh, how can you run the household of God? And that's the, the logic behind that. For they that have used the office of the deacon will purchase to themselves a good degree. There are blessings. There are rewards. It's a, it's a high office. It's something that, that, as the scripture says in, about an elder, that if a man desired the office of an elder, he desires a good thing, whether it be the elder or the deacon. That is uh, an office to desire, because it says much about if the church, if the congregation has done it properly, where they've observed this person, they understand this person's doctrinal position and lifestyle, then they are to be, be made elders or made deacons. Let the deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children in their own house, house as well. For they that have used the office of a deacon will purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Uh, the word used there uh, literally is, is, is taken from the word dekanos, which is for deacon, for they that have uh, served in this office of deacon uh, are going to gain a great degree or a great reward because of what they're doing in service of the Lord Jesus. Uh, it's an important office. I can't imagine this church not having elders and deacons, faithful elders and deacons. Uh, it, it, would be, it would be horrible. One of the things that I am very much opposed to is a single pastor running things. We've talked about that in the past. Uh, I don't want it. I don't want to be part of a congregation that expects the pastor to do it all because you, what you're doing is you're setting that man up to fail. You're setting him up to make some serious mistakes. There is nothing that I'll oh, some things I enjoy more. But I, I am greatly relieved that I have a group of men that I can call on and say, what do you think about this? And you know what? They're not yes men. They're, we don't have an elder or a deacon that's a yes man. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So, uh, it's, it's an important office. Verse 14. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come to thee shortly. He was in, uh, he'd been in prison. He evidently gets out of prison here in 1 Timothy. He, he's writing to Timothy, who's in Ephesus. Uh, back in 2 Timothy, he's back in prison. He's waiting on his execution. Uh, here he's in Roman prison. Uh, from went to Jerusalem. From Jerusalem he was arrested. He was sent to Rome. Uh, there he 
he wrote the prison epistles uh, here in First Timothy. He has just recently been released, and he's looking forward to going to see Timothy in, in Ephesus. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. And there's a lot of uh, indication that he that he did. We look at verse 15. But if I tarry long, <coughs> in other words, putting off the trail, not sitting in jail, but if I tarry long, that you may know how you ought to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God and the pillar and ground of the truth. These things I'm running so you know how to conduct yourself. And I'm talking, that's not talking about just Timothy, the, the whole construction of how the church is to operate. Uh, this is more than just kids running in pews. And that's, that's much more than, than that. It's organization. It's how to design a church that serves God, that is glorifying to God. And the fact that you ordain men in every city, what he told Titus to do, indicates that it's not a one-man rule. If you ever start going to a church where the pastor's the boss, you don't need to leave. You don't need to be there because that's that's dangerous. Verse 16. that has been 
pointed to me is the righteousness of Christ. Can any man be in Christ? I'm glad to tell you I'm in Christ. He's a new creation. That God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, and that means me and you and every person who's ever accepted Christ. That's the mystery of godliness. That's the, that's the glorious, glorious truth of, of that godliness. It's, it's Christ Jesus himself, manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Lord, what a description of, of who Christ is. Our, the fact that we are blameless is, and, and who did he talk, which church did Paul write that to about blameless, being blameless? Look at Ephesians 1. And which church is Timothy pastoring? Ephesians. So, Glad you're not Catholic, so you don't have to 
confess that to the priest. You can just take it right to the Lord. Lord, I confess I'm a sinner. John. Holy Spirit completes you immediately. Oh, sure. And, and that's, and that's you know, exactly right. Yeah, I, I, to, the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. Am I the only one? <laughs> but I'll tell you something else. Two things that, that really uh, bring conviction. One, I think the Holy Spirit, you know, that I worry if I get in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So it's the Word of God that, you know, you think something and all of a sudden the prayers of the Scripture. You know, and God uses His Word to do that. It's the washing of water, the washing of water, how important that is. But I gotta tell you, is that clock keeps tick, 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 getting closer and closer to the rapture. I don't want to be sinning and all of a sudden, oh no. I mean, that, that is something we have to be aware of. Uh, I, I just, I, I want to be preaching. I want to be teaching the Bible study. I don't want to be writing with Linda and listening to If we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just, forgives us our sins, and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Um, but look at. But what about like Noah? Uh, Didn't it say he was perfect? Didn't that mean genetically? Genetically yeah. perfect, and all okay. it means it's tamim, which means not. He found he had to find grace in the eyes of God, but he was perfect to mean in all of his generations, in his genetic. In other words, he had not been uh, abused by the fallen angels. His, okay. his, his genealogy, his was pure. Was pure. Uh, okay. First uh, John 3, we just read what, first, what John said. People says he has no sin. Uh, truth is not in him. Uh, look at 1 John 3, 9. I'll start with verse 8 uh, for this purpose. Well, verse 8, he who commits sins of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Yahoo, that's great. More, more. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. And that's probably the verse that that person sent to you. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. So you can't sin? That's what it said. You can't sin. I didn't say you can't. I'm just saying, who is John writing here to? Uh, Marvel not, my brethren. John was, this all has to do with Israel. God putting it in their heart to walk in his statutes. And all, it was Christ that told him he had to be born again. So we're made new creations. If Paul talks about the fact that there are none righteous, no not one. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know you sin, but you also know you're a child of God, right? This is a different program. This is under different marching orders. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Uh, one of two things, and I think it has to do with the program, the tribulation, and, and then the kingdom program, where God is going to put his law in their inward part, and according to Ezekiel, cause them to walk in his statutes. I think that's the hope, that's the promise. Uh, but also, we, we've been made alive in Christ, and we stand perfect in him, and so God the Father sees us how? In, in Christ, so we are per we have a totally different standard. Jeff, uh, this student Bible dictionary it says perfect. It says whole, complete, and mature. So, yeah. And, and I think that's what just as Paul said was to make perfect the word of God. It's the same thing. And I think thank you. I, I think that's exactly what it is. Like John says in 1 John chapter 2, 1, My little children, these things I write to you, and you said not. And if any man sin, we have to have the Christ Jesus. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So first chapter first 4, and that's, here we have that attitude. But again, John's message was to whom? Israel. The Jews. Israel. To Israel, to the circumcision. 
James to the circumcision, Peter to the circumcision, John to the circumcision, because they agreed that in Galatians chapter 2, Acts chapter 15, that Paul was going to take the gospel of the uncircumcision, and these guys were going to take the gospel of the circumcision to Israel. And that's that's what they continue doing. Two different gospels, two different messages, uh, two different things at work there. Chapter 4, verse 1. He's the one that understands the rapture. He's the one that understands. 
he would not be talking about the last days of, of uh, prophecy. He's talking about the last days. Now the Spirit speaks expressly. Who's, he, who's the Spirit speaking expressly to? Him. That in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devil. Now, the New Age movement, the Ascended Masters, uh, those churches that corrupt the Word of God and teach things contrary to what the Word of God teaches, uh, seducing spirits, I think that's exactly what they are in the churches, uh, whether it uses riches or it uses music or it uses whatever it is used to seduce and pull people away from the truth of, of God's Word. The have, doctrines of devils. I have so many Catholic friends that I keep in touch with, and they're all modern on Facebook. And they're all like, all, oh, the writer doesn't say anything about abortion. And, you know, they, they, I just can't believe it. I just can't believe it. What about do not kill? Yeah. Yeah, oh, I know. It's ridiculous to say something. I mean, being logical. Yeah. Just, I mean, just say it. And all the intelligent ladies of the view said the same thing. Because it's saying such. Yeah, I mean, but I'm just like, the that was something that, like, Pope John Paul II was, you know, just. And I don't know, it's just, I just can't believe that how many of my Catholic friends are pro-Biden and pro-abortion. They've been seduced by doctrines of devils. And who's the God of this world? And so Satan is going in the, 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 the church. There is this falling away from the faith, this departure from the faith. Uh, what, what, what Paul lists here, he didn't list a, a single specific thing that happens like with, with the last days, you've got a, the, the temple's going to be rebuilt, you've got an antichrist, you've got certain things happening halfway through the tribulation, you've got 144,000, the, the sun turns to blood, the moon, but there, there are so many physical, visible signs of the last days. Here, uh, in 1 Timothy, and then also in 2 Timothy, it's just more of uh, trends you're going to have the falling away. Second Timothy talks about uh, in the last days, perilous times shall come for men to be loved with themselves, blasphemous. I'm telling you, that is today. But this here is just as telling. This giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, we're, we're there, folks, speaking what you pack. Oh, I didn't even um, So if someone says that they were saved long ago, and now they don't believe. Does that mean they were truly never a believer in the, in the first place? Or they, can, can they be that, that to see? If, if, I think people I mean, can if they truly deny certain, God now. Yeah, I, I, do they deny him all together? God knows the heart. Yeah. Look at 2 look at Timothy. If they truly believe, and they became part of the body of Christ, 2 Timothy 2.13 If we believe not, yet he abides faithful, he cannot deny himself. Boy, I cling to that verse for those friends that I have that have 
pretty much done the same same thing. Mm -hmm. So anyway. Can I ask you something too? I got two calls this week from two different people. What's the difference? They're telling me apostasy means the rapture. And I have to say, no, there's two different words, two different events. Apostle, apple, this to me, away from the stand. And the rapture is a catching away. You're not just going to stand there. You're going to be caught away. And, and after you explain to them the difference between two different words, two different spellings, they're not the same. Yeah, just real quick. I've I've heard like um, like like dark times like this. You hear you know the phrase of God is like purging the church, um, meaning like the real Christians are standing firm, and the ones that are weaker are being kind of like just being distracted or going away. Is the Bible saying anything about those periods in time where when things get tough, the real believers are going to show themselves, um, or is it just kind of a natural? Not so much in those words. I wish it did because it'd make it a whole lot easier. Yeah. To answer that question. Okay. I mean, not just because it's your question, but that, yeah, yeah. It, it's a legitimate question. Uh, I, I think there is going to be, just based on what we're falling away. So, just yeah. by virtue of the scripture saying there's going to be a falling away from the faith, which that yeah. means that they did, in order to fall away from something, you had to hold on to that at every mm -hmm. time. Uh, and I think it's kind of encompassing the whole the whole church is going to get further and further away from that, which means that uh, the, the believers, believe <coughs> those that stand on the word of God, are going to get fewer and fewer. And that uh, percentages that we talked about just yeah. the other day, yeah. where like, only six percent yeah. of what those who claim to believe the Bible actually believe mm -hmm. uh, what the scriptures teach. So yeah, I I think it's going to get smaller and smaller. But look at look at Second Timothy three real quick. Second Timothy chapter three. This know also that in the last days, again the last days of this present dispensation, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, and enlist all of those, all of those. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Oh, verse 5. Having a form of godliness. Yeah, that's the scripture. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. I think what this is describing is the condition of the majority of, of the church when the Lord comes forth. Yeah. I think various times. Men are going to be lovers of themselves, blasphemous, but all that that describes, I think that's describing the condition of a lot of churches. Mm -hmm. and, that, and the remnant of believers who hold to this is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you why. I think it's going to become illegal for churches to take a stand. Mm -hmm. I think the work is already in for there to be. Uh, Zoom type churches 
where certain requirements in order to be on YouTube and not, not coming together, but being on YouTube. And, and if you break it, they delete your account. And you better delete your account. I heard Facebook was already started. I think that's yeah. the direction of the People say that don't be ridiculous. Let me tell you something. It wasn't that long ago that everybody understood that men can't be pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everybody comes that's up and says true. that's not going to happen. There was not that long ago. Yeah. Everybody knew. Charlie Klein's got a commercial with a guy pregnant. Yeah. I know really? I cannot believe it. There's a, there's a, a, a me, not me, but a, oh, a Charlie Klein. Motocom. She was in, 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 Jeffrey and then Jenny. He was pregnant. I was going to say that, uh, I heard a pastor say that people in the world read the Bible, or they, they read the newspaper to figure out what's going on. I just wanted to say that in regards to people falling away, um, when I had an experience where God took my PTSD in a church in one day, and um, the next week I went back to that church and I heard the pastor say, just because you know churches shouldn't argue with each other, just because we believe women shouldn't preach, doesn't mean we should argue with a church that believes that women can preach. And I said, because I was so brainwashed into being such a feminazi, you know, that I heard him say women can't preach, and I said, and I walked out of that church and never went back. Even though God had taken all my PTSD and healed me from everything, I still had that kind of reaction. And here I sit in a Bible-based church that believes that women will not preach in accordance with the Bible. And so I just have to say that sometimes, and I heard that baby Christians are like babies. They, wham, wham, what about this in Christianity? What about that? What about this? What about that? And mature Christians are more like, wow, look at me. Wow, I'm this, I'm that, I'm, you know, the, the faults in me. I am the problem in the church, not look at everybody else. You know what I mean? So I, I think believe, that time. I believe when you said that, that God said, oh, what's this? Concerning you, when you said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to believe this. Oh, I don't think I, God was surprised at all. I, you know, God was I don't think God was surprised at all. Yeah, I was just, we were talking about that um, in a web, but I was talking about Hannah in Texas. But, you know, uh, and so I said, it's government's fault. Well, on one hand, they're trying to pass, talking about passing a law in California where parents can have their children killed up until the age of one.